The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Looking down at the phones right now, all the phone lines are lit up. You have questions about your cats, your dogs, your ferrets, your pigs, your uh, flamingos, and Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani can help you with those. If you want to get in queue, here's the toll-free number, 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Coming up in just a few minutes, Alexandra Horowitz will be back with us. She has a brand new book called Being a Dog, and she's talking about the schnoz of a dog. Did you know they can smell some pretty incredible stuff? Well, I'm glad we're talking about things that dogs can smell instead of the things we smell from dogs. She's going to be talking about how spectacular a dog's schnoz is and how we mere humans can improve our sense of smell by learning from the dog. You can improve your own sense of smell? That's what she says. Wow. She'll be from on the, the show. dog? From the dog. Just learning from the dog. Wow. Also, okay. actress Olivia Barish will be with us. She has a brand new YouTube channel where she has Barkville TV. You might remember her from oh, Repo Man. Yeah, oh. I think it's great. I can't wait to check it out. And Robert Semro will be with us with seven cat facts to make you a cat fanatic. There you go. I'm, a, I'm kind of a cat guy. People there make fun are. of me because... I have uh, several dozen cats. <laughs> I like cats. I like cats. Cats are fun. Cats are, and you know what? They don't stink. Usually, well, no, wait a bit. No, no, no. That's that's not that's not always true. I've groomed many cats, my friend. <laughs> but some cats stink. But they're pretty clean. Smelly cats. They're pretty Smelly. fastidious. <laughs> yes, better than dogs, but they can stink. Sometimes they stink real bad. What are you working on today, Joey? Well, being that we're talking about stinks. Um, or smells. Um, I'm going to be talking about how to get that urine smell. You know how to, how to have some older dogs or some, you know, incontinent dogs. They, um, you know, they get that urine odor that's embedded in their coat. Well, we're going to tell you how to get rid of it. You can actually get that out, huh? Yeah, you can get it out. You know, some people are saying, um, what is he talking about? But the people who do know what I'm talking about, I'm saying, I'm sitting back and I'm going to listen because it's bad. And this is perfect if you're, uh, like Uncle Louie, he's a little bit of a drunk and sometimes he, Pees on himself. Pees on himself. Okay. Okay. I don't know where you were going with that, but um, this will work for that too. Okay. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, I found out that there is one state in the country where you can be buried with your pet in a human cemetery, or you can be buried with your pet in a pet cemetery. Hmm. I like that idea. Yeah, me too. I'd rather be in a pet cemetery. I'd love to be in a pet cemetery. I already have the one I like picked out, too. Do you have a plot set out for that? No, not yet, but that's where I want to be. I don't want to be buried there. Actually, I want to be scattered. Okay, this is a, this is a great way to start the show. How about we go to the phones <laughs> uh, for your calls? Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Mercedes. Hey, how are you? Very good. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Stephenville, Texas. Well, I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on well, with hi. your animal? Well, I have a female cat. She's 13 years old, and she throws up every time she eats. We've tried everything we can think of, and I've taken her to the vet. They just really have no um, suggestions for me, and I thought maybe somebody there would. Okay, absolutely. And you're tapping into a a very common problem in cats, and 
I wouldn't be lying if I told you there's 99 plus 99 more causes of vomiting in cats. So it, it can be a very troublesome uh, thing to deal with because there's not an easy answer uh, in every situation how we need to proceed. Okay. Um, for a kitty in that age group, the number one thing I would always start with is I do a full health evaluation, and that would include lab work, which okay. would check blood chemistries as well as a thyroid level and then a blood count. Um, and then I'd also like to get a, an x-ray of the belly. And that's kind of the start in what I call like doing my push-ups of a workup for an older kitty. Okay. Uh, with that in mind, if we don't find anything, then there's some different directions we might head. Um, you know, for a lot of simple things that we can try, and I'm all about trying something simple, um, if we haven't done a thorough deworming protocol, I'll do that. It's cheap. It's easy. doesn't mean you have to see a worm for there to be some. Cats can actually have stomach worms, never pass a worm in their stool, but it can cause a chronic intermittent vomiting. So it's okay. very easy to do something like that. Um, but if all of our workup is looking normal, we don't really have a, a firm diagnosis, I kind of move into inflammatory bowel disease and dietary management. And people who have digestive problems or inflammatory bowel disease, diet is the number one way that we'll deal with problems with that. In cats, it's very similar. The problem is that they can also get some very serious problems in the intestinal tract that look like this. And um, there are some cancers in the in the gut that they can get mm-hmm. um, that look very much like almost like an inflammatory bowel condition. So there's other steps beyond that. And I don't want to scare you with taking biopsies and things like that. But that can be a real, actually a real direct direction um, that we might need to go. But uh, I'd say, have you had any kind of tests or workup done at this point with your kitty? I did that about, um, it's been not quite a year ago, and they didn't find anything uh, mm-hmm. wrong with her. Uh, she's very, uh, she's very not, she's not thin, but she's a lot lighter than my other cats. When you mm-hmm. pick her up, she's just very, very light. Um, she's active. She seems bright and alert. Um, she doesn't appear to be, you know, ill. Uh, okay. But she just throws up every time she eats. Oh, well, gosh. And something, you know, like that that's so common and predictable, um, if you haven't tackled diet management and trying a hypoallergenic diet, that would be definitely something I would look at. But to okay. vomit every time, if that does not improve with deworming or diet management, you know, I would even look into doing something like a barium study. And it's a little fun and challenging to get barium down a cat, but um, it, we can use that to help us determine if there's a problem with passage of food, if there's a blockage, something that's slowing down the emptying of the stomach or the lower GI tract, and that may be very important to help us give more solutions or more steps of what we might need to try. Would the vet do a variant study or would I? Oh, the veterinarian would definitely. Oh, the vet would do that. Okay. Yeah, the barium study is done with an x-rays. So we give the kitty barium, and then we take x-rays and watch how that passes through the course of a normal day. So it's usually a full day type thing. Yeah, people do that. They make you drink that chalky white stuff. Yes, and it's just, yes. I didn't know they did that for animals. Okay. Absolutely. And to convince a cat to do it, it could be a little bit more fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. But we have ways. 
we have ways of making this happen. So um, it, it can be done, but it might be an important step in working up a cat who has chronic vomiting. Okay. So, um, you know, definitely a lot of possibilities there. And, you know, if we get to the end of things and we don't find an answer and we've ruled out all possible causes, in some cases I will have um, a pet owner that might say, well, doc, if you think it's inflammatory bowel disease, how do we treat for that? Right. And then we may go forward with treatment with some something such as prednisone with a hypoallergenic diet. But I, I like to exhaust all those steps before then, if at all possible, so we make sure we're heading down the right diagnosis. Um, because, yeah, it it is a, a lot of different causes for vomiting in kitties. But um, I think it's definitely frequent enough that I would urge you to, um, you know, step back into that veterinary office and knock on that door and say, hey, we got to do something here. Okay. You know, I was just, they, you know, gave me things to try, like letting her eat just a little bit and then taking her away from the food, you know, mm-hmm. instead of letting her eat until she was full and wanted to leave the, the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and but nothing is nothing works. Nothing that I try. Nothing that I do. So I think, and I am concerned because she's mm-hmm. so tiny, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm not sure if she's getting the, the enough nutrition in her diet, you know. And she's older, so I think I will. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate so much this information, and I'll get her back into the vet. Please keep us okay. posted. We actually have one of those cats here, too. I Lisa. will let you know if I find a solution for this. Thanks, Mercedes. Awesome. I thank you. one 405 to connect with any one of our dream team right now. Hi, John. Good morning. How are you doing today, John? Where are you calling from? North Carolina. Very good. I have Dr. Debbie right here. Hopefully she can help you. What's going on with your pet? Okay, uh-huh. I've got a 12-year-old, or a little older than 12, cockapoo. She's got warts. Okay. Got three, three of them that are pretty fair size, maybe as big as the end of your little finger. All right. All right. And where are these located at? On her side. Okay. And the vet wants, vet wants to put her to sleep and surgically remove them. Uh, and well. her age worries me about putting her to sleep. Okay. Well, I'll tell you my spin on things. Um, age by itself doesn't scare me. Um, what scares me is the overall health status of a pet. So if we have a senior pet, I'm a little more cautious about anesthesia. I want to make sure it's the best choice for the animal and that they're in good health going into it. But I'm not necessarily, with older pets, just afraid of it. What okay. I would say, the first the first thought I think of when we talk about warts in dogs, and some breeds are definitely more prone to these little things, uh, poodles, shih tzus, lassa oxas, mm-hmm. they, they tend to have these what kind of look like what we call warts in people. And it's important to know that they're not the same thing. Um, they're really not viral warts. Generally, they're skin tumors. And, and in 98% of the cases, they're benign. So that kind of tells us, okay, we can relax a little bit and think about what's the <laughs> well, best that, check. Um, that was what my vet told me. Good, good. So the thing that I usually do is when I look at warts on dogs, I look at where they're located, if they're bothering the pet, and how many we really have. Um, I'm not always very anxious to knock a pet out under general anesthesia to take warts off unless 
it's really warranted, meaning that we've got some tough areas to work on that we can't do with a, a pet awake and doing a local anesthetic. So for me, number one thing I do for warts is if they're in a friendly location, and I say anywhere on the torso is friendly for me, I can usually remove that in a dog awake. Um, some dogs need a little sedative if possible, but that's a nice area to work on with a local anesthetic, and I, I try to accomplish that if at all possible. Now, I will tell you, I had a, oh, gosh, I think it was 15-year-old boy that had a wart right between his eyes, and I put off surgery on that dog as long as I could, um, and he had about 10 other ones elsewhere. But because of that one between his eyes, we had to knock him out. We had no choice. It was just becoming a problem, and it was crusting and bleeding. And, you know, by golly, you know, he got through anesthesia wonderfully. Um, I guess my feeling is if, if it's not bothering your pet and it's not in an area that's a real difficult area to work with, I, I'd ask your vet if, if this could be something you could take off with just a little local anesthetic and save you the heartache and save your pet the trouble of having to go under anesthesia. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten free. Radio, and we're going to head back to the phones in just a second for your calls. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 or on the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. In just a few minutes, Olivia Barish will be joining us. She was the actress from uh, Repo Man. That's the only place that I actually honestly remember her. That was from. a long time ago. That was a long time. That was like the 80s, mid-80s, mid-80s. <laughs> that was one of my favorite movies when I was young. I yep. really love Repo I really like that, too. I really, that was one of the movies that I can remember. I can't, I can't, honestly, I can't remember movies that I saw last week, but I remember Repo Man <laughs> from the mid-80s. Olivia is now doing a TV series on... Uh, YouTube. They have these YouTube channels for those millennials. I haven't checked them out personally yet, but she has a brand new one called Barkville TV, and she's going to tell us about the series in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, Alexandra Horowitz will be back. But she has a book, brand new book called Being a Dog, and this is where she talks about the schnoz of a dog and how, how perceptive these dogs are. In fact, here's the deal. We have about 6 million olfactory receptor cells in our nose. Mm -hmm. Dogs have between 200 million and a billion in their nose. They can smell, and this is what she says, and I'm going to check her on this. They can smell earthquakes before they happen. Smell an earthquake. Smell an earthquake. What what does an earthquake smell like? I have no clue. (laughs) Or how she knows that, or how we know that. Anybody knows that, yeah. They can also find illicit cell phones. You know, cell phones that are illegal or mm-hmm. pirated cell phones. They can find bed bugs. I think I knew that. They can smell mm-hmm. cancer. Mm-hmm. And she has been inspired by her own dog to be a better smeller herself. And we're going to find out how we can be a better smeller. Can we train our nose to smell better? I think so. I think that's what the book is about. But she'll have to tell us in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Oh, gosh. I have a report from the big guys. The Mayo Clinic weighing in on the debate. 
Uh-oh. The debate over is it safe, is it healthy, is it good or not for your pet to sleep with you? <laughs> Boy, and that's a controversial subject. It depends on who you ask. You know, if you ask Dr. Marty Becker, he will say no because they have these zoonotic diseases. If you ask me, I'll say my sleep is disturbed because of animals all around me jockeying for space. And ultimately, I sleep and end up sleeping in like a fetal position. On the just, corner of the bed. Yeah, yeah just to accommodate the animals. Uh, so we're going to find out what the Mayo Clinic says, huh? Mm-hmm. Now, do you sleep with your pets, Lori? I sleep with three Count them three bulldogs in the bed with me. <laughs> do you oh move? That's a yeah. A lot of snoring and yeah. some chubby butts. Do you oh. move around to accommodate them? Yes, and and why is it? And then my cat Jackie sleeps on the side of me, so I'm kind of, you know, wedged in between them. Yeah. Jackie doesn't stay all night though. But yeah, you know, I mean, don't we all? I mean, you don't move because you don't want to disturb them. Well, no, we don't all. In fact, I know that uh, Dr. Debbie and Judy, they do not sleep with their animals. No. I let Ladybug, she goes in a crate at night, but around six, seven o'clock in the morning for like the last hour or two, she gets out and I let her cuddle with me for an hour or so before I get up. But that's it. Well, what about you, Doc? Well, it's it's better for my sleep if they don't, because if I get up and, you know, toss and turn, then they lick my face and wake me up. So it's actually, I found it's not so much like, you know, the space accommodation, but if I rustle around and they're in the bedroom with me, it's just, um, you know, then my night is, is ruined and the sleep is ruined. And they're quite happy and content. They, they have their places. They like to watch um, where... Uh, uh, you know, the front door is so they can keep an eye out and any intruders, you know, any kind of cats that might be approaching the house at night. <laughs> they keep me safe. <laughs> so they're not in the crate. Well, my big girl, she likes to sleep in a crate, but I leave the door open. So she oh. willfully goes in there on her own and it's her safe, comfy little place. And that's where she actually prefers. So she has a crate right by the front door and where she can kind of keep an eye on things. And that's where she's most comfortable. Mm. We'd love to know about your sleeping arrangements. I think we're the only radio show right now that wants to know about your sleeping <laughs> arrangements. And if you give us a call toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five, we're conducting our own little internal poll. Do you sleep with your pets? And if you do, do you have a better sleep or a worse sleep? And what kind of strange pets do you sleep with? I'm just going to let and that settle. If you're running there. for president, do not call us because we don't want to know. Yeah, we, we have no desire for a presidential <laughs> candidate. We have uh, on the phone Dr. Russell Rosenberg. He is a board-certified sleep specialist. He has 25 years of clinical and research experience, and he's the CEO of the Atlanta School of Sleep Medicine, and he currently serves as the chairman of the board of the National Sleep Foundation. Let's Doc- ask him. Doctor, welcome to the show. Ah, uh, Thanks for having me on today. First of all, do you have any animals? I do. I have two border collies, and uh, I've had cats before, and uh, well, I also have a whole pond full of uh, koi, but... They're certainly not going to sleep with me at night. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be sleeping with the fishes. Yeah. But do the uh, the cats and the dogs, do they sleep with you, or have they ever slept with you? Uh, yes, occasionally they have in the past. They certainly have. And they sleep, they've actually um, sleep in the same room um, about half the time. And do they disturb your sleep when they're in bed with you? Um, they Well, mine... Do a bit, yeah, because they they sometimes uh, whine or they um, uh, bark or moan in their sleep, and uh, you know I tend to be a little bit lighter sleeper, so uh, they do they do wake me up. So would you say this is a, a correct statement for you that sleeping with pets in bed is bad for you? 
You know, it's boy. That's a, that's a statement, and I've made this statement before publicly, and I and I get uh, a lot of uh, hate uh, hate emails and all of that. There's so many people that sleep with their pets and enjoy it. I would say that if your sleep is unrefreshing, or you have insomnia, or you're sleepy in the daytime and you're not sure why, I would first think about putting the pets out of the room because oftentimes they can disturb your sleep without even you even knowing it you're listening to animal radio call the dream team now at 1-866-405-8405 we can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline based dog food but we can tell you alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis reduce scratching cellular degeneration and disease keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer and those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido Friendly Magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, if you feel like your pet's vet bills are through the roof, you're not alone. Apparently, the animal health care system suffers many of the same problems as the human medical care system. That's according to a new report from researchers at both Stanford and MIT. Now, both of those health care systems have reportedly seen a huge increase in dollars spent on end-of-life care lately. And there is no denying that we are more than willing to shell out a piece of our savings to keep our furry friends healthy. Well, according to the American Pet Products Association, pet owners in the U.S. spent over $15 billion on veterinary care last year. And spending on pets' medical bills has even outpaced that of human medical bills. That's pretty amazing. Wow. They say between 1996 and 2012, data from the Consumer Expenditure Survey shows the percentage of human physicians jumped by 40%, while the number of veterinarians nearly doubled. Amazing how the field of animals is growing. Mm. Now, pet owners in New York can now take their furry, trusted companions with them to the grave, if they wish, since the governor has now signed legislation that makes it legal for the cremated remains of pets to be interred with their owners at any of the approximately 1,900 not-for-profit cemeteries in New York, and those are all regulated by the state. The new law, which does not apply, on the other hand, to cemeteries that are owned or operated by religious associations or societies comes three years after the state made it legal for pet cemeteries to accept the cremated remains of humans who wanted to be buried with their pets. 
Didn't know about that one. Now, supporters of the measure cited statistics showing that 62% of U.S. households have a pet these days. And among the most famous that garnered the most attention in the Big Apple was a woman who wanted to be buried with her pet, Leona Helmsley. Remember uh-huh. that name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The hotel heiress dubbed the Queen of Mean. She kind of got the ball rolling on this. She died in 2007 and had in her will that she wanted her pampered pooch female, Trouble, interred with her in the 12,000-square-foot family mausoleum. <laughs> now, Jeez. Trouble died five years ago, but back then there were no laws in the state that allowed them to be buried together. But a 12,000-square-foot mausoleum... That's like five of ninety. It's, it's like seven of my house. I think. <laughs> That's all, huh? It's like twelve it's of ours. Well, you know what? The Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, all got buried with their pets. Why the heck can't we get yeah, buried when with did our it, pets? I wonder when it stopped being legal. Because I'm sure years ago in the 1800s, people were probably buried with their pets all the time. Hmm. I thought it was fascinating that they allowed in New York for owners pet parents to be buried with their pets in a pet cemetery. I mean, who would even think of that? But it's a great idea if they if you really want to be buried with your pet. But now of course they don't have to do that anymore. Hmm. Well pet here cemetery. is the Come latest in life. the is it safe for my pet to sleep in bed with me debate. You know, since debates are all the rage. Uh, get ready. Now, if you kick your dog off the bed every night, you might want to stock up on some apology treats. Just a warning. A new study of 150 people conducted by the prestigious Mayo Clinic on Sleep has found that contrary to popular belief, sleeping with your pets doesn't actually disrupt your sleep as much as you might think. In fact, it offers most people, you know, a sense of security, safety, helping them get a better night's sleep. 20% of the people in this study said their pets did disturb their sleep, though, but 41% believe that having a pet in the bedroom actually helped them sleep better. The researchers said that Some people find that sleeping with their pet actually helps them to kind of feel warm and cozy. But this is probably the most interesting thing that people don't think about. Most people who complained about their pets disturbing their sleep actually had multiple pets in the bed. Yep. Yep, That'll do it. Which just multiplies the chance that your sleep is going to be disrupted. Or there's going to be a cat or dog fight on the bed. We don't have that, but they said cats... Or, or more, you know, because they're more active at nighttime. Dogs are probably less likely to bother your sleep than a cat is. <laughs> it diminishes sex, though. I'll tell you that. You don't want the pet in a room at that point. That's what you got to get. You got to put the pet outside the room. Thank you, Joey. No comment. <laughs> well, there's the truth. You know, come on. Let's 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 let's, let's talk reality here. You know, pet in a bed isn't always good. Okay. You're so quiet, Hal. Well, you know, I, I just don't like it when Fido's looking at me, you know. It's like it's, he's judging me or something like that. Exactly. Yeah. That's how I feel. Exactly. Like he's going to hold up a card with a seven-point-something rating or something. <laughs> you know, sometimes my dog laughs. <laughs> so I get I get a complex. Are we done? I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I am so embarrassed, you guys. I'm also Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com.
This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hi, this is Brandon McMillan on Animal Radio, and be sure to adopt and not shop. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Good. Good morning. I have Dr. Debbie here. What's going on with your pet? Uh, uh, milky eyes. Uh, milky it, eyes? Yeah. Came on uh, like Thursday, noticed it Thursday evening. By uh, uh, Friday morning, they were just totally clouded over. I mean, just white milk in the in the interim the dog went to the vet um, Friday morning after those eyes were just totally clouded over, just, just milky white. Antibiotics okay. were prescribed. And then by Sunday night, it's about 85% cleared. They did blood tests, but nobody could tell us yet why it would come on so quickly. Mm, okay, yeah. Now, as far as does your pet have vision right now? Are we yes. seeing anything? Yes. We are. Yeah. Thank goodness. Very good. Now there are. Now I'm assuming the vet did they check any kind of eye tests as far as like checking uh, for glaucoma, any kind of s- sampling on the eye itself? I don't think so. They 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 did a test, or they they were able to tell that he could still the she could still see. Okay. Uh, they did some blood tests, and then like later today or tomorrow should get the results back. But they didn't know what would bring it on so quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's a, you know the dog's well taken care of. The only thing that that we can figure is a cat has been introduced into into the environment, but it was a baby cat and had all its shots and and you know was kept indoors and all that. So I don't see how that can you know. Yeah, you know I guess the big thing for when I hear of a story like this where all of a sudden a pet's and this is both eyes, correct? Yes. Okay, both eyes turn white, and this is probably the front of the eye that's turning white, so we're not really talking about a cataract, am I correct? Well, it's the whole eye. Okay, so that's telling me the cornea is turning white, which is the outer clear globe of the eye. So, yes, there are some causes of that that can definitely come on all of a sudden out of the blue. Sometimes they're triggered by things like infections, and I'm thrilled to hear that they are checking for things um, on blood work. Okay. There sometimes can be some weird things that, that can happen uh, that can cause uh, this, such as fungal infections, uh, rickettsial, which are types of bacteria that can cause this type of change. Now, there are some dogs that actually can have just suddenly developed disease in their cornea. And uh, they basically have what we call endothelial dystrophy. And uh, some of the common breeds that do that, Boston Terriers, Dachshunds, and uh, Chihuahuas are some of the most common breeds. This this Um, is a Chihuahua cross. 
Okay. So that's a possibility. When we're talking about this endothelial degeneration, it's kind of a genetic thing that they develop. And in many cases, um, it is something that doesn't see such quick improvement within just a few days. So I'm a little suspicious. Maybe it isn't that, um, but it would be something that's on my list of concerns. In pets that have that condition, it's usually a lifelong um, treatment, really struggling to try to keep those ears cl- or their eyes clear, yeah. keep them seeing, and using different types of medicine to try to keep that keep the eyes open. So um, I guess I'm hopeful they might find something on that lab work. Since okay. The antibiotics seem to have helped. Um, and uh, maybe that might be the direction that we really need to kind of look and keep continuing. Because, uh, yeah, something like a scratch on the eye, yes, it can cause the eye to turn white, but we'd really be looking at some severe changes in both eyes to have that happen all of a sudden like that. Okay. Be very strange. So Good. it sounds like uh, you're, you're doing everything you can at this point. Cross your fingers and, yep. and, and hope we get improvement there. Okay. Chuck, we wish you the best of luck with that. Thanks. Please keep us posted. Let us know what uh, what happens there. Call us toll-free, one eight six. 6-405-8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com and thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It gives me great honor to present to you the dog father, Joey Volani, exclusively on Animal Radio. What do you think of that, big guy? I think that that's pretty accurate, and um, I'm proud to be on Animal Radio. But you're not so much a big guy anymore. <laughs> half his size. I'm still, I'm still 220 pounds. Wait. But yeah, I'm, I'm big enough. I still wouldn't mess with you. I don't think anybody walking <laughs> down the street would mess with you. Anyway, before we get started, can you, I want to send out a, um, a, I don't know, what, what do you call it? I want to congratulate someone, someone that took one of my classes a long time ago, Miss Sarah Ottinger who started a grooming salon a year and a half ago, and she is up for best business in the state of Washington, nominated by the people. Here, here. So, you wow. Know, yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool when somebody that, you know what, that they, they, they sat through your classes, sat through your seminars, and and listened to what you had to say and, and, and did real well. And this is a single mom that, um, you know, in a year's time was able to buy a house and, and support her, uh, her kid, and she's doing real good, and I'm really proud of her. So awesome. I just wanted to say that. That must make you feel really good. You know, it makes me feel really good. I like to see people do good, especially within, with, within my industry. So it's, so it's great. But what I want to talk about today is, 
you know, it's, when when you, you start getting um, senior dogs, you start getting dogs that get a little incontinent, um, you know, where, they, where they're urinating on each other. And I had them um, urinating on themselves and on each other. Um, I had a woman actually ask me, no matter how many times the dog is bathed, um, number one, the staining of urine stays in the coat. It's a white dog, of course. Uh. And the odor is very hard to get out, which it is. Um, a lot of times, you know, regular shampoos and stuff is not going to um, to really get that odor out 100%. But there's a really, really easy fix. And what you have to do is you have to neutralize the odor. Now, one of the best odor removers that you can use, and mainly because I've come out with a few product lines over the years, um, you know, I've, I've sat with chemists, and they've all said the same thing. The best thing to remove urine odor is white vinegar. White vinegar? So this really? is what you go. Huh. White okay. vinegar, Absolutely. So this is what you're going to do. Because what it does, it neutralizes, it neutralizes the uric acid. So, um, it's, it's, it, what, what it does, it breaks it down. Huh. So what's going, what you're going to do is you're going to bathe your dog like you normally would. Then you're going to make a mixture of a gallon of water to a quarter cup of white vinegar. If you can use distilled water, it definitely works a little bit better because sometimes depending on where you are in the country, the minerals from the water will discolor, especially a light-colored dog, whether it's white or um, you know beige or wh- whatever. Though, but the lighter-colored dog sometimes you'll get a a reddish tint to it. Um, so if you use distilled water, it works good. If not, tap water will work. What you're going to do is you're going to spray the area, kind of saturate it, work it in there, and towel dry it. Now, very important: some pets may become a little bit sensitive to this. So if you notice that the skin becomes a little irritated, just dilute it down a little bit more um, the next time that you use it. And what you're going to do is you're going to spray the area, you're going to wipe it down, and almost instantly that smell will go away. Now, you may have a strong vinegary smell, but the vinegar <laughs> smell will go away as, as, the, as the pet dries. When the pet dries, you're going to notice that you're not going to have that strong urine odor anymore. It works really good. I mean, a lot of people who have pets that wear diapers um, for, for, for certain reasons, they deal with this. And the, the sad part about it is I've known people that have put their pets down because of this, and it doesn't. you don't have to do that. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it gets to the point where, where, where it becomes unbearable. To me, you know, my pet's my pet, and I've got to deal with what I have to deal with. But sure. it's a real easy fix. So there you go. And it doubles, as I've mentioned before. You can just spritz a little on your salad, a little lettuce or arugula. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good dressing there. Uh, I know that Molly, the studio dog, sometimes pees on Ladybug, the studio dog. Or is it the other way around? Ladybug pees on Molly? Ladybug pees it. Well, because she's out there and she's lifting her leg and Molly walks right underneath it. Yeah, it's not on purpose or no. anything like that. No. But, well, you know, but usually when something like that, you soap and water work fine. It's when... The pet is either laying in it, you know, sometimes from kennels. If you have your dog kenneled a lot and they come home and, um, you know, even though the kennel is supposed to clean them, they got that kennel smell, which is basically urine. It works really good for that or for, you know, a dog that just can't hold it. But it's more for the pets that are always sitting in urine and not for the ones that get a little bit on them here and there, like beat on, like you're talking about. There you go. The dog father right here on Animal Radio. Olivia Barish, actress Olivia Barish, will be on in just a couple of minutes talking about Barkville TV. And Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? Well, there's some new information out about um, spirituality in our world, but specifically... Animal afterlife. Oh boy! And yeah, what we <laughs> we'll talk more about it later. Okay. <laughs> you know, this is a subject that uh, is always I know. yeah okay. 
It's on the way right here mm-hmm. on Animal Radio. First, your calls for Dr. Debbie or Joey Volani toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Or you can ask them from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. A British cat's bad behavior has forced his owner to post a sign that reads, Warning, dangerous cat has attacked 13 people in the last six years. And Hogbin says 12-year-old Blackie is as gentle as a kitten, often curling up in her lap for a nap. But he turns into a different cat when he sees a man in uniform. So far, five postmen, one police officer, five paper boys, a garbage man, and a construction worker have been attacked by Blackie. Blackie was known for chasing his victims down the street. But even now that he's an indoor cat, his behavior hasn't changed. Anne recently came home to find blood on her letterbox after Blackie attacked the mailman's hand as he pushed the letters in. Blackie no longer has access to the front door. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Your music can take you anywhere you want to go. And Guitar Center is the best place to start the journey. Save up to 25% on over 200,000 guitars, amps, and accessories from major brands. Take $200 off select American-made Fender guitars. Get a Martin X-Series Acoustic Electric for $449. A Yamaha Acoustic for just $99. Or Daddario Strings, three packs for $10. Where will your new guitar take you? Guitarathon is going on now at Guitar Center. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And if you were unable to get through last hour, now is the time to call. There's a couple of lines open, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. And we still have some of this leftover wine. It's, well, it's not leftover wine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's fresh wine, but we got several cases of this Moscato and Pinot Meow wine for cats. And it's non-alcoholic. It's infused with uh, catnip and beet juice. And there's uh, both a red and a white. Uh, I don't know which one is which here. But if you'd like some, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. And we'll hook your cat up with it under the condition that you report back and let us know uh, how your cat liked it. Uh, This hour, Robert Semro with seven cat facts that make you a cat fanatic. Well, you'd be preaching to the choir with me. I'm a cat guy. You know, some people are dog guys. Some people are cat guys. For instance, Dr. Debbie, you're kind of a dog person. Do you even own a cat? I don't currently. I used to have cats. And in fact, I used to have only cats. So I've kind of switched from cats to dogs. So. And Laura, you're, you're, you like anything with four legs on it, right? Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. I want you to be listening for Robert Simro. And if you're not a cat fanatic... Maybe you will be afterwards. Also this hour, Olivia Barish, actress Olivia Barish, has a brand new TV series on the YouTube channel. Guess they have all these channels over on YouTube. I have not been over there recently, uh, but she has a. So do- is it a is it a channel for dogs? It is. Well, it's called Barkville TV, so I assume it's a channel for humans that like dogs. 
Hmm. Although I wouldn't put it past it uh, to be a dog channel, because I know DirecTV has that uh, one channel that's specifically for dogs. You're supposed to turn it on when you leave, and it, it just has, from a dog's point of view, uh, television programming all day. It, kind of interesting. And I know there's... So re- if, if you watch the Barkville, then do you end up wanting to pant a lot and lick your butt? This could be the case. <laughs> I I really don't watch it, but I still have that mm. urge to do that every once in a while. Oh, well, you know, it's uh, you hang around animals long enough, you start to emulate them. Stick around for Olivia right here on Animal Radio. But first, let's check in with the newsroom and see what Lori Brooks is working on for this hour. Well, after Hurricane Matthew, have you ever thought about what it would be like to have to evacuate a zoo? A I mean, zoo? how do you get all those animals? Yeah, a zoo. Uh, how do you get all those animals inside? Uh, we'll tell you how, how one <laughs> animal park in Florida uh, did that and um, some of the good pictures that they had. I had never thought of that. I, I, I would imagine that would be pretty tough to do. It would be sort of like Noah's Ark, wouldn't it? I think so. I mean, I would have I would have hung out in the, the park's public restroom if I could have been with this animal for a couple of days. <laughs> I'm going to stick around for that after that tease. Let's go to the phones for your calls right now for Dr. Debbie or for Joey Villani. Uh, don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Also, a great app to have. There was another recall again this week from uh, Mars Food, I believe, and uh, Caesar brand food. And, of course, every time there's a recall, you'll get a notification on your phone to make sure that your dog or cat is not eating that food. So it's a great app to have, and it's a free app, both for iPhone and Android. Uh, so uh, let's go to the phones. Hi, Helen. Yeah. How are you doing? Well, I'm sitting on my back porch cracking black walnuts right now. Cracking walnuts. Where Where are you? Are you in Georgia? I am. Blairsville, Georgia, up next to North Carolina. Well, I understand you were listening to the show on, uh, what is it, WPCG? No, WUCG. UCG. 90, Union County, 93.1. Yeah, and you called in because you wanted some of this cat wine? Yeah. <laughs> is that the strangest thing you've ever heard? It is. And I'll tell you why, because... Every cat I've ever had, I grow catnip. Yeah. They won't have anything to do with it. They don't like catnip. Do not like catnip. I could not get them to eat it at all. Well, that is very strange. How many cats do you have? Well, right now I only got one, and I rescued him. Somebody threw him out on the side of the road. Oh, good. And little bitty kitten, and and, and uh, our dog, Cookie, raised him. She's white and black, and the cat's white and black, and he thinks he's a dog. <laughs> well, now that's why they probably don't like catnip. They think they're a dog. No, my Lucy didn't wouldn't uh, have anything to do. I make her toys out of it to give them, try to get her to play with them. She'd walk way around them. She wouldn't have anything to do with them. Well, now, do you think they'll like this cat wine because it is catnip infused? Uh, well, my cat now his name's Biscuit. I don't know. I quit growing the catnip when I saw it wasn't actually once when I was growing it. Uh, the, my daughter had a cat. He was I call it orange cat. I don't know orange yellow whatever. Uh huh. And I saw my catnip bushes just shaking every which way, and I thought, what on earth? And so I went down there to check it, and that, that cat was in there, and he was he was zonked out on it. I mean, he was drunk. He couldn't even walk. He was foaming at the mouth, and my son thought he had rabies. He was going to shoot him. That must have been some good catnip. It was. I think it's real tall. You know, hey, you guys, 
I got to chime in here about the catnip thing because you guys know that not all cats will respond to catnip. I didn't it's know an inher- that. Yes, it's an inherited tendency. So, yeah, well, um, it, not, no, so far none I've had. I've been fortunate to get them that don't like catnip, and everybody else's cats like it. What do you mean it's inherited, Doctor Debbie? Well, it's it's found to be an autosomal. It's a dominant trait. Um, so they actually have a genetic uh, way of evaluating this that. Um, that not every cat is uh, sensitive to it. So, and that's basically inherited down the line. And, and the cats so, that are sensitive to it, what actually happens to them? Well, they go through kind of a euphoria. Um, in, in the onset, you know, a couple minutes, maybe 15 minutes later. Um, so it'll kind of excite them. They'll do a lot of rolling. Some will do mm-hmm. vocalizing. Um, I've heard of a rare one that kind of gets kind of hyper and kind of runs around and gets kind of crazy around the house. But usually it's kind of a sense of a, like almost like a mellow kitty. Um, that's what and, and the effect goes away. That's what happened to my daughter's, the orange cat that was in my catnip and and he he's just rolling around in it, wallowing in it. And he tried to get down the road to my daughter's house, and he was staggering everywhere and foaming at the mouth. And my son thought he had rabies and was going to shoot him. <laughs> oh, golly. Well, I'll tell you what. We do have a bottle, a couple of bottles of this wine. I'll give you mm-hmm. your choice. We have the Pinot Meow or the Moscato. Which one would you like? One's a red, one is a... It doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter. I just thought it would be kind of fun to see if, if Biscuit would, you know... Uh, He's pretty picky about what he eats and drinks. Okay, well, we're going to send you a bottle of, uh, we'll decide which one. Right, but there's a condition. Yeah, there is a condition, and that that condition is that you report back to us and let us know how Biscuit liked it. I will. I will do that. Okay, hold on for one second. Judy's going to get all your information, okay? Okay, thank you. How are you doing, Todd? Very good. I'm very good. Had a question for Dr. Debbie. Okay. Well, hey, I'm right here. I have got an African gray. That allows us to live in our house with him. Uh, we love our little birdie. Isn't that the truth, though? <laughs> His name is Tiki. We've had him about three years now. Bought him in South Florida. Moved up here mm-hmm. to North Carolina. When we first got him, love him, adorable little pet, would love to be loved, and his head scratched and all that. And he's developed a bad habit of uh, suckering you in with his low head down, and you come in, and then he bites. He bites good and hard. Mm-hmm. And we can't get him through the nipping stage, and it's not just a nip, he draws blood. Yes. Oh, well, and this is a, a big problem. These guys are very clever. And like you said, uh, he is permitting you to live in his home. So he is patterning your behavior to that of which he desires. Now, I have to ask you, do, do you guys handle him as far as does he sit on your shoulder? Do you have him out interacting or is he more um, a, a bird you don't handle a whole lot? Um, he's, he's handled a lot. I wouldn't put him on my shoulder because I like my earlobes. But we do, he's got a, we have a, a little tree branch that we have on wheels. I mean, he's part of the family. We've got many critters in our house. We have two dogs, five cats, a Euromastic, and an iguana. So he's a, okay. he's a part of our family. He's, he's right in the living room. He's part of everything. He's super intelligent, picks up wording and sounds. I can never tell if my phone's ringing or the front doorbell's going off because he likes to mess with us. He's super cool, and he could have such a super cool life if he was... Not drawing blood all the time. I get it. Now, the, the big challenge here is that when birds do these kind of behaviors, especially when we have problem biting, we have to really kind of back up and look before this behavior happens. And you said that it kind of starts where he kind of looks cute and coy and drops his head down and wants a little petting. Now, 
if that is what precedes most of these bite attempts, we need to actually kind of intervene and not give in to that behavior. He's doing that, sets up the pattern for you to get bit. We need to try to find something else to redirect his behavior so we don't continue this pattern. So really, it is a matter of kind of taking control of some of the uh, the basic commands when it comes to, to birds. And that is, that's kind of going back to the basics of, you know, perching, the up commands, the down commands, and having you be more in control of his world rather than the other way around. Now, if it's a matter of your fingers are going to get destroyed in the process and you're going to be having cuticles bleeding and uh, fingernails coming off and things like that, we don't want that to happen. So we want you to be comfortable and we want you to feel confident as you're working with him. So if you are going to be asking him to come out of the cage or getting him up on your finger, we want you to be doing that comfortably. If if you can't do that, then we use a perch as kind of a um, a substitute. Um, But I really, when he does that little cute, coy little thing, the last thing you want to do is give in, scratch that head. And, and a lot of birds, you know, these kind of cuddling behaviors, they're very much a pair bonding behavior. So that's what birds do in the wild when they've kind of got their mate. And that's a very sexual, a very bonding experience. So in some cases, that can actually be just a little bit too much. And we'll see these aggressive behaviors um, kind of become uh, a displaced behavior um, in, that, in that situation. So I would say back off from any kind of cuddling and scratching with him and go mm-hmm. back to the basics of the, the perching. Um, and then the cuddling and scratching as much anymore because it often leads to bloodshed. And the little man it, is so intelligent that he will yell in my tone, Tiki, no, be, right before he bites me because he knows that's what's coming next. <laughs> Tiki, no. He's a pissed exactly. love him. I'm tired of bleeding. Exactly. And, you know, and you got that because they are so smart and they understand there's a, there's something that's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to hear afterwards. So really we may have to stop that pattern of he does that behavior. Do not give into that. Give him something else to do. We want to give him some other behavior. And that's where giving the basic thing, like the step up command is just so important to give him something else to do or to think about. And then also we use food as a reward. So we really want to make sure that If anything, we kind of keep the food a little bit to the side. Use food as a treat and a reward when you're having these little training sessions. If you have cats, I bet you didn't realize there's a connection between common health problems in cats to the type of litter you use. Ammonia forms in the litter box and can cause vomiting, diarrhea, drooling, panting, and even upper respiratory infections. You can stop this by switching to Cats Incredible Litter. It has patented technology that stops ammonia from forming, with all profits going to help animals in need. Available now at your local pet store and Petco stores nationwide. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Can you smell that? No, I don't smell anything. My, I don't have... My nose is not a good smell smeller. That? No? No. I, I don't know. Ladybug has her nose up in the air. She's smelling <laughs> something. I don't know what she's smelling. But Lunch somewhere? It could be. Maybe there's a cheeseburger somewhere. <laughs> something like that. By the way, Ladybug's become a little bit of a prima donna lately, Judy. I just wanted to mention that. I wanted to tell you that. I think you know. I know. But she, 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 you know, she deserves it. She's a hard worker. She is a hard worker. 
and she she does spend a lot of time on the phones talking to other dogs that call in uh, with questions about uh, their owners. And she wants recognition for that. She wanted her own show is what she wanted. <laughs> and remember that time we had to play that theme every time she came into the studio, oh, that yes. music? Mm-hmm. And now, this last week, she's demanded her own Facebook page. She didn't want to share the Animal Radio Facebook page. She, oh. So if you'd like to like her page, I'm sure she would like that very much. Yes. And it's, uh, what is the page? I believe it's... Uh, Ladybug, the Animal Radio Studio Stunt Dog on that's Facebook. A, that's a long title. That is a long title. I think there's a link right uh, right from the Animal Radio Facebook page, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, we don't know what she's smelling, but I bet you Alexandra Horowitz does, and we welcome her back. How are you doing, Alexandra? Great. That was great sniffing. <laughs> Thanks. I'm trying very hard, and I'm trying to learn from your book, your new book called Being a Dog, Following the Dog into the World of Smell. Very intriguing read. And you talk about some things that I, I find hard to believe. First of all, they really could have up to a billion olfactory receptor cells. That's a lot. And who did the counting? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, the, especially the dogs bred for over long time for scent work, um, like bassets and uh, bloodhounds. But all dogs seem to have hundreds of millions more olfactory receptor cells than, than we do with our puny noses. Well, now, what can they smell that we can't? Oh my! I mean, we know that they can that can do two things with many odors that we cannot. One, they can detect much less of it. In other words, like a, a picogram of of TNT, an explosive detection dog can can detect a millionth of a gram of that. So they notice when just a very small amount of something is there. And they also have more types of receptor cells than we do. And to get a, a sense of what that might be like, you know, we have three types of color vision cells that allows us to see all the colors we see. But let's say we had 10 or 100 color vision receptor cells, we'd see who knows what, but many different kinds of colors that maybe we couldn't even imagine. That's the case for dogs and smell. Now, you make a claim in your book, which I find hard to believe, but maybe you could back it up. Dogs can smell earthquakes before they happen. Some people claim that. Right, and what I was trying to trying to explain, I don't think any science has been done on it. In other words, you can't control when there's going to be an earthquake and watch all the dogs' behavior. But some people claim, gee, their dog seems to be forecasting a storm, forecasting an earthquake. But it, it does seem very likely that there would be changes in the pressure system in the air, which would make for a difference, sudden sudden difference in the odors of the air, which a dog would at least notice and maybe be surprised by. Not saying they know what it means. They're not saying, hey, you know, there's an earthquake, it's in 25 minutes, and it's coming from over there. <laughs> but they're noticing a difference, and it could have to do with odor. I see that they're using dogs in Long Beach to, uh, when they, the container ships come in, they actually have the dogs go through there looking for illicit like cell phones and mm. DVDs, pirated DVDs. How do they know? Apparently there's a component in electronics that uh, some do- detection dogs have been trained on. So, elect- you know, basically all objects have a smell. You know, we don't usually notice it because we don't stick a lot of things in our nose. Um, in some cases we not might not be able to detect it, as we were saying. But elect- some components of electronics have a certain smell. Dogs are trained on that. They go looking for them. Can we learn to smell better? Oh, yeah. And I did, in fact. It was my part of my what? way to try to, you know, become more of a dog, to see what it might be like to be a dog. I did a lot of smell training, and that really was just 
practice, you know, sticking my nose in things, bringing things to my nose, sniffing intently and trying to recognize it, a sense or at least put a word to it or, or an association with it so that next time I would recognize it more quickly. There was uh, somebody that came to me a couple of weeks ago and they said they have a service where they have a dog that sniffs out bed bugs. Yes. Is that is that a, a smell thing or is that a noise thing? What? No, that's also a smell thing. I mean, they're smelling the not only the bed live bed bug, but they would smell a dead bed bug or, or like the, the, the skin or the sort of exoskeleton, whatever it is, the bed bug. Um, the scards, the excreta of the bed bug, they'd, they'd be on that scent. How does this compare to cats? Well, cats do have pretty acute olfaction, too. Um, they aren't trained typically as detection cats. I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that. One, they might not be as cooperative. <laughs> but also, you know, they don't. the snout of the dog actually helps a lot. That's part of what gives them an acute sense of smell because air is really rushed up. The nose, it's warmed, it's humidified, it's, the bad stuff is filtered out, um, and it makes it more likely that when you inhale something, it's going to get all the way to the back of the nose because it's up at the top of the nose. Can you give us one tip that we can leave with today on how to become a better smeller? <laughs> well, I'm afraid you have to uh, stick your nose in things, okay. uh, kind of sniff like you mean it, and then try <laughs> to name what it is um, and repeat and, and repeat? Oh, and keep repeat. doing it. You know, that's how to be a dog. Follow the dog's lead. <laughs> I might get slapped a few times for doing yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, ask permission. <laughs> ask permission. <laughs> the book is awesome. It's called Being a Dog. I have 10 copies to give away right now, toll free at 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon. Order it up. Alexandra Horowitz, the author, Being a Dog, Following the Dog into a World of Smell. Good stuff. Thank you so much for hanging with us today. It's a pleasure. No matter what kind of allergy day you're having, relief can be yours with Nasacort Allergy 24-Hour. Its prescription-strength medicine effectively relieves your worst nasal allergy symptoms, including congestion, for 24 hours. <sighs> Nasacort has no harsh taste, is non-drowsy and non-addictive. Unlike Flonase, Nasacort is scent and alcohol-free. For effective nasal allergy relief, choose Nasacort. It's guaranteed relief or your money back. Details at nasacort.com. Use as directed. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. You know, if Mick Jagger just had a dog or two, he probably wouldn't have been married as many times as he has I been. Agree. Yeah, <laughs> just he never had dogs. a dog. How do you know that? I don't know that, but I would imagine the life of a touring uh, rock star, and you never see any pictures of him with a dog. No, you don't. Yeah? There's a few guys that will disagree with me out there, but uh, I think that you know, a dog makes a great family member. So much nicer and friendlier than some of my family. You know, I feel, well, you, you got to know my family. I think you can have a cat be a great travel companion, too. And I have a lot of clients that are actually on the road truckers who um, one today was telling me how they took their cat back and forth on a five-day-a-week trip. And the cat was just kind of got the routine figured out and really enjoyed traveling with them. You know, it's amazing. Wow. We have a homeless guy that goes up and down the street in front of our office here. And he has a cat inside his shopping cart. 
And mm-hmm. I'm amazed that the cat stays there in the shopping carts, always there with him. Yeah, just hangs out. He pushes it all over town. That's a happy cat. I do love myself some cats, too. In fact, I'm more of a cat guy than I am a dog guy. And Ladybug is sort of like a cat. She, she is. <laughs> she is pretty cat-like. Because she hangs around cats all day. She yeah. thinks she's a cat. Yeah. She's about a cat size, too. Now that we've spoken to Alexandra about just how much Ladybug can smell, I'm very curious to go watch her and see what she sniffs. And I'm going to go sniff right after her. To, well, that's what Alexandra <laughs> see you can said we should do, is we should start sniffing some more stuff and become like a doll. You're going to get down on your hands and knees? Yeah. When we take Ladybug, the studio stunt dog, out to uh, for her walk, her one of her many walks during the day, she spends a lot of time sniffing areas where their dogs have been. Mm-hmm. That's akin to, like, Facebook, I imagine. You know, she's checking posts. Checking her P-mail, as I call it. Yes. <laughs> so, yes, absolutely. What I find kind of peculiar, though, is we know animal, dogs have you know an acute sense of smell. Why they stick their head right on top of that pile of poop and really get so super close that they're just dangling their hair in it. That always perplexes me. Because if they got such a great nose, why do they have to get so close and put their own face in it? Oh, things we'll never understand. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. More than 1.2 million dogs and cats in this country are medically insured. However, I mean, you think that sounds like a lot, but that's really less than 1% of the total number of dogs and cats in the country. That's according to Pets Best Insurance Services' State of the Pet Insurance Industry report. They found that more than 82% of pet insurance customers reported that they, like we do here at Animal Radio, consider themselves pet parents rather than simply pet owners, which speaks big to the human-animal bond and how Americans' relationships with pets have evolved so much over the past couple of decades. Pets are now truly considered members of the family. A notable trend that they are also seeing among customers is the fastest-growing age group is 25- to 34-year-old millennials. And they say this trend among millennials might also speak to another finding in their study, which shows that more than half of pet insurance customers do not have children. That's of those millennials we talked about. Now, 78% of pet insurance customers are, not surprisingly, female. And they say that all aligns with the growing trend of young women choosing dogs, some cats, over children. Isn't that amazing? And think about that. It's like, now it all makes sense. It sure does. (laughs) Now the really good news. The report found that 40% of pet insurance customers adopted their pet from a shelter or rescue, with another 6% of them taking their pets as they found them as strays. Mm. The study also found that pet owners with insured animals, they visit their veterinarian more often than those who don't have pet health insurance. Dr. Debbie will like that. Yep. Storks at a zoo in Florida, boy, found refuge in a restroom as Hurricane Matthew passed through that area. What a sight that must have been. In fact, it was. I saw a picture of it. St. Augustine Alligator Farm Zoological Park shared photos as their staff attempted to assure that all of the facility's animals were kept safe indoors, you know, 
out of the weather, away from the hurricane. Now, one photo had the caption, no species discrimination in this bathroom. That was the one that showed a stork standing in the tiled restroom with the floor, you know, standing on the tiled floor between a sink and an open stall door. And, you know, it just waited it out for the storm to pass. It was a pretty tough job for the park employees as every bird and mammal had to be moved to safety indoors. So they had all the venomous snakes that had to be double contained. Large birds were put in crates, tortoises and baby crocs were moved indoors in various sized tubs. And that stork got to ride out the storm in the park's public restroom. Wish it had been open then. That would have been fun to see. <laughs> Something to think about. Uh, the first study to systemically explore beliefs about animal afterlife has been published. What do you guys think about that? I think there's Is there an afterlife for pets? Definitely. They're at the Rainbow Bridge. They're waiting for us. We'll be joined Absolutely. together. Oh. I agree. Why? I, I now, really do. And, what, and what was that? What was that sigh, Al? I just am being the buzzkill again. So. Just, you know. You know so how you don't I think am. there's an afterlife for the people? You think they just die and that's it? Goodbye, done? No comment. No, come on, come <laughs> on. You have to now. You you know, you made a, a side there, so you got to tell us. Well, you know, I'll probably be one of those guys that looks back and says, oh, there really is an afterlife, and I didn't believe that my whole life. But maybe the Rainbow really? Bridge. I'd like the Rainbow Bridge to exist. I think it would be fabulous. It, you know what? It, it You're going to get it, there, and, and they're going to say, okay, you know what? You're out. You yep. didn't believe. <laughs> Goodbye. Get out. You're not on the list, Al. <laughs> yep. Yes, you're not on the list. With around 70% of U.S. households owning pets these days, this study on animal afterlife marks a new insight into the, you know, pretty much unexplored area of American spirituality. The authors surveyed 800 people and they wanted to know how sex, race, age, geographic region, religious beliefs, pet ownership, and, you know, how all of that will affect an individual's belief about animal afterlife. And the results showed that people who believe in an afterlife for humans are also much more likely to believe in an afterlife for animals, kind of like Hal said. And they they also found that people held different beliefs for different animals. I thought this was crazy. Dogs, cats, and horses were rated the most likely to experience an afterlife, whereas insects, fish, and reptiles were rated the least likely. Yeah, and you wonder why so, I question it all. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you'll be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider. 
here with this week's Animal Radio List, seven cat facts to make you a confirmed cat fanatic. So I've got a number of friends who are cat crazy, and I mean that in a positive way. They know so much about cats that it's more than a passion, it's an obsession. But if you're going to have an obsession, being a cat fanatic is probably one of the safer ones. One of the things that my cat friends like to do is try to amaze me with cat facts. My recent inquisition in front of my cat people made me realize there are some really cool cat facts that most of us don't know. So I'm going to share seven cat facts to make you a confirmed cat fanatic. To begin with, cats have beautiful smiles. If you were fortunate to catch a look inside at their chompers, you'd see approximately 30 teeth in an adult cat. And if you find yourself trying to hurt a clouder, you're most likely going to be very frustrated. What's a clouder? Well, it's a group or cluster of cats. And don't forget that cats start their lives as part of a kindle. Yes, I said a kindle, which used to mean a group of kittens, though for many of you listening, it probably means something much different. Here's a gem for all of you who wonder why that cat stuck up in a high place will descend backwards instead of heading down forwards. It's because cat's claws are all permanently pointed in one way. So to grip, they must descend backwards. So firefighters and superheroes take note. If the cat is facing forward, it's not about to come down from its perch unless it's doing so with a leap of faith. Speaking to baseball fans, if you call for a righty from the cat bullpen, you're probably going to be receiving a female as females tend to be right-pawed and males tend to be left-pawed. You know, some cats are described as twitchy, and it may have something to do with how fast their hearts are beating. A cat's heart beats nearly twice as fast as a human's heart, beating between 110 and 140 beats per minute. Cat whiskers are more than decorative and beautiful. They're functional, and they help cats detect objects and navigate in the dark. An interesting side note is that cat whisker fatigue is a real thing and can lead to avoidance of coming into contact with objects that brush or irritate their whiskers. So if you're putting your cat food in a deep bowl and your cat is avoiding it, they might be showing whisker fatigue. Finally, if your dogs are listening to this, you may need to turn this up. Cats have better hearing than dogs. Cats hear higher frequencies than humans and dogs and can pinpoint a sound's origin with extreme accuracy. I guess I should stop muttering things under my breath since they're likely to hear it anyway. All joking aside, cats are animal world superstars with so many special and unique things, it's easy to see why the internet is filled with cat videos. Cat fanatics, share your favorite cat facts on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Hi, it's Alan Cable with your Because We Love Our Pets watch. Arizona safety tyrant Matthew tries to tough it out in a car with the windows rolled up in the summer heat to illustrate what it would be like for your dog. It's only been about two minutes. This is ultimately what it feels like to be a dog trapped inside of a car on a hot day. It's 120 degrees in that car. While their owner is probably in a grocery store. Six minutes. I seriously couldn't imagine leaving my dog in a car like this. Tyron has to bail after just eight minutes. Here's something important to remember about dogs. They can't sweat. The only way they release heat is through the bottom of their paws and by panting. So the heat is way tougher for them to handle than us. On a 90-degree day, even with the windows rolled down partially, the temperature inside a parked car can quickly reach 120 degrees. And 105 degrees is the critical mark for a dog. Their organs will start to fail at that temperature. If you see a dog in a hot car, every second counts. Dial 911 immediately. This is Animal Radio, baby.
Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. one of my favorite movies. You saw Repo Man, didn't you, Joey? Repo Man. It was wow, like, that's been a long Yeah, it was like 80s long, or 90s, age, right? As I remember. Yes. Yeah, a long yes, time. Yes, her age. Olivia Barish is joining us. Uh, she was in that. I remember her very distinctly from that. She She's uh, now involved with the animals, and she's doing a brand new TV show on YouTube, one of those YouTube channels, and we welcome her to the show. Hi, Olivia. Hi, how are you? Doing splendid, splitting atoms over here. Set the scene. Are there your animals around you? What you, you have a dog, right, named Pippin, right? I have a dog named Pippin, and she is one of our Barkville players, and she just... She just came down from upstairs. She's a little lounger. <laughs> She's a late sleeper, isn't she? She's a late sleeper, and she just came down. And she has her, her nails. She needs a new mani-pedi. Her nails Uh-oh. are painted pink. Oh, you and Judy would get along just uh, fine. I have all the different colors and reds and purples for my dog's nails. Yes. <laughs> you do? Yes, I do. <laughs> Where do you get yours? Because I get mine on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> I get mine from Warren London. They they have these pins. And they have little felt tips, and you can get real accurate that's, with it. That's with what I get. That's what I get. Yeah, they're awesome, and they have all these different colors and golds and silvers, and just. Oh. Don't you actually use them on your own nails too? Actually, you? I just painted my toenails with one of them this weekend. It's so easy. <laughs> we share. We can. Great we tip. we have matching toenails. Oh my God. Yes. You see, I'm one of those guys. I don't believe in the toenail coloring. I don't believe in the wearing of the tutus or the costumes or anything like oh. that. I'm a buzzkill. Oh, you are, Hal. <laughs> You're no fun. Yeah. No well, now. we do we do a lot of that in Barkville, but we also we do both. We have we have three series, but the two live action series. One is called Pup Culture. And that's the series where there's tutus and all that stuff. The dogs are, they parody, um, they parody scenes from iconic films, television shows, and music videos. And that's, this is the comedy side. And they wear wigs and we dub their voices. Do you produce all of this? Yeah, I produce and direct it. Uh, do you oh. act in any of it? Uh, not yet. No, well, actually, that's not true. I do, I do some of the, vo- I do a lot of the voices. I do pretty much almost all the voices voiceovers yeah well you have a good voice for voiceovers thanks yeah i used to do that as a kid as a child actor i i did um i did some cartoons and a lot of commercials so that's what i'm doing with barks i even played the men like we pitch shift my voice and i play the man it's it's really fun and you say pippin your dog is in your barkville series yes and i got pippin she has these really big ears i saw her picture i'm like that's my dog and I brought her home, and we were shooting, like, the next week on the green screen, and we had about 11 dogs here at my studio. And she was sitting in her bed, and she the cameras rolled, and she started dancing on her hind legs in front of the camera, walked, and, and ruined the scene for the other dogs. 
<laughs> so that was it. She's yeah. a little ham. Yeah, wow. we have one of those here, Ladybug the Studio Stunt Dog, and she does this thing where in the beginning she wanted to have her own theme and everything, and she wanted it to be announced that she really runs things here at Animal Radio. And just this last week she demanded her own Facebook page. Yeah, so, so Ladybug now has her own Facebook page. We, we're, we're very concerned about how this might be going to her head. Are you worried about that at all with Pippin? Yeah. Pippin, yeah, Pippin is, is a little ham, a little prima donna. She's going to, I don't know what's going to happen. It could go to her head, or she may not know what's going on at all. I don't know. <laughs> I well, don't know. How do you come up with all the ideas for your different series? They just kind of come to me. I just, I'll think of a title. It usually, it usually starts from a title. The ones we have now, we have The Good, The Bad, and The Pugly. <laughs> it's a funny title, so, and then we just make a whole, you know, around it we write a whole skit around it we did um oh we just so we just did pup fiction okay this is <laughs> one of my it's one of my favorites and it was difficult to do because you know that film is really violent and you know they swear a lot and kids like our channel too so i you know t- i had to take it down but i wrote i wrote this whole scene about doggy treat bars in amsterdam instead of <laughs> and it works it totally works you know so it's just fun I, I get to be silly and i get to be myself and i'm kind of goofy and silly and laugh a lot and i just want to you know make people laugh and raise awareness about adopting and and help pass the no kill law that's what i want to do yeah can i yeah. hear just one of one or two of your dog voices <laughs> well we have a we have a promo out now and it's this Come on, all you tiny dancers. Dance on over to Barfield TV. Coming your way soon. I don't know. I just do That's a little chihuahua. It's just stuff like that. And then I play Tina Tur- a Tina Turner dog. Um, and we have Mad Mutts, Furry Rose. Oh, I'd love to hear the Tina Turner dog. Uh, <laughs> we don't need another poodle. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a lot of fun. How can people find it? It's, uh, we, we find us on YouTube under Barkville TV. We're Barkville TV on YouTube. We're on Facebook, Barkville TV, Instagram, and Twitter. And then we have BarkvilleTV.com. Okay, we'll put all that information over at AnimalRadio.com. Olivia, thank you so much for hanging with us today, and good luck on the series. Thank you so much for having me. Take care. There you go. Uh, I believe I just was handed a note that Ladybug wants her own... YouTube series. Yeah, you know, this I, is way out of control. We should have kicked her out of the studio during that interview. Um, there you go. It's just blown by another fun show. Thank you so much, Alexandra Horowitz and Olivia Barish, for joining us today. Uh, and mostly thank you for listening. And if you need your fix during the week, it's real easy. Head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Bye-bye. Bye. Until next weekend. This is Animal Radio Network.